Welcome to Shred the Should podcast, where we celebrate incredible humans redefining self, success, and the word should. I'm your host, Alex Katz. I'm a coach, speaker, and shredder of shoulds on a mission to help you shred your should shame so you can live in alignment with who you want to be rather than who you think you should be. Your whole life changes when you learn to stop shooting on yourself. So if you're ready to change your life, follow along each week to learn from expert should shredders who will teach you how to level up your life and shred the should along the way. All right, let's shred some shoulds. We've got the holidays coming up. We've got a lot of should shredding to do, and we've got an extra special guest to help us do that today. So drum roll, please. Hello, special guest. Can you tell us about yourself, who you are, however you want to define that and and why you're here today? Absolutely. So thanks for having me, Alex. My name is Lara Days. I am the owner and CEO of Lara Elizabeth Coaching. Uh, Fun fact, I don't actually go by Lara Elizabeth. People ask me that a lot, but I was engaged when I started my business. And so I felt weird using my maiden name and I felt weird using my married name. So we went with Lara Elizabeth coaching. Um, I'm a precision nutrition level one certified coach an ISSA certified personal trainer and sports nutritionist, as well as a 200 hour registered yoga teacher. And I actually went to school for music education. So I have been teaching people for basically my entire life. Um, My first job that I ever had was a camp counselor. And no matter how hard I tried to do other things with my life, I always ended up back in the space of leadership, coaching, teaching, so that is kind of the, the surface level intro to me. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And what's the non-surface level intro? Do you have one? Ooh, I mean, I have a really long one. Um, so how, how long do you want it to be? Um, however long you feel like you need to tell the people listening who you are. Mm. But not an hour because that's all we have. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, So I think maybe in a way that is pertinent to the conversation that we're going to have, I grew up in a space of being a musician and an athlete. I was always in sports. I was always in music. And when I got to college, I thought that I was done with sports. I went to a music conservatory, studied voice performance, violin, and music education, and my junior year got an email from the softball coach asking if I would play. Uh, So I played softball in college my junior and senior year. And then after I graduated, I felt really lost when it came to taking care of myself without the help of uh, organized athletics, basically. Um, I never really learned anything about nutrition. I didn't really know how to quote unquote work out um, without just being on a team and and going to practice. And so that's kind of when I really started to use myself as an experiment. I got into running, I started doing yoga, I started doing different diets and just really experimenting with what would happen to my body when I moved it differently and when I fed it differently. And um, I started sharing on my social a few years after that. I, at the time was doing CrossFit and people started asking me for help and I didn't really know how to help them. 
Um, but I really had been dabbling in, um, my cat just joined us. So if you hear weird, I like, love that. that's why, um, she knows when I'm recording something and she <laughs> needs to make an appearance. Um, so I realized that I couldn't really help people, but that I had been interested in learning more specifically about nutrition. And that's kind of what prompted me to dive in and get my precision nutrition certification. So, um, I got my PN one, I got insurance and I started helping people <laughs> and that was about two and a half years ago. That's awesome. I love that. And I like asking this question because well, one, I like seeing how people define themselves and the things that they do. And I think it's cool because then we're also able to learn more about people. So like we have a lot of things in common just as humans. We're very similar, but we also have a lot of the same certifications. And I just learned that we both used to play the violin, which I did not know about you. So that's pretty fun. This is literally the second interview I've done this week with someone who played violin and neither of us knew. That's hilarious. <laughs> right. It's like life before coaching. Right. And then I also come from like the education sphere. So I think we have a lot of overlap there in terms of trying to take the things that we've learned and the struggles we've been through and being able to help people with that. So I think that's super, super cool. So love that. I also didn't know that you didn't, uh, you're talking about your name. I didn't know that either, like the story behind where the name for your business came from. So that's also <laughs> yes. super cool. I'm learning a lot. Yeah. So I love all of that. So this podcast, right, we talk about shredding shoulds a lot because I think that shoulds can lead to should shame and should shame can be dangerous. And I want to talk about all the shoulds in our industry and especially coming up on the holidays. I want to know first though, you know, in this journey for you to getting to where you are now, what do you feel like was a really big should that you had to shred? Maybe that's, you know, like leaving music education, coming into the nutrition world, or maybe it has nothing to do with anything you just, just said. You know, I've kind of always been someone who doesn't like to fit the mold. I've never mm -hmm. really been able to fit inside boxes. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that there's really anything specific that comes to mind. I think for me, it really was more about identity hmm. and feeling like I went to school. It was really more of a shouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. Like I went to school for music, so I shouldn't be coaching nutrition. Like I shouldn't be in um, health and wellness, because that's not what I went to school for. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess to make that a should, right? Like I should have stayed in music. I should have continued to teach. Um, and for me, that really was, was a little bit deeper on that identity level. And like, I've always been a singer. I've always been a musician. I've always been a teacher. Like that's who people think I am. Well, truly that's not a who that's a what, like all of those things are what's mm -hmm. and, um, it was really helpful for me to really think about all of the experiences and the training that I had studying music and realizing how applicable those things are to what I'm doing now. When you study music, you are learning habits. You are learning to be disciplined. You are learning that, you know, there's unlearning that happens often when you're changing technique or something like that. Um, and I actually think that it really 
helps you avoid shoulds because you learn very early on that there's no such thing as, oh, well, if you practice this way, then you should accomplish this. Or if you practice for this amount of time, you should know how to play this piece. It's like everyone's journey was different and we all were learning at a different pace and in different ways. And so it made it very easy for me to, yes, acknowledge the harm that shoulds have for people, but also kind of nip them in the bud very quickly for myself. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, going back to the health and wellness space, there are so many shoulds and something I see a lot with clients and I'm sure you probably see too is feeling like there is a specific timeline or a specific way that they should be doing things, right? So whether that's thinking, oh, well, if I eat like this person, then I'll look like this person. If I work out like this person, I'll look like this person. If I, you know, this person did something in three months, I should be able to do this too, or it's not happening fast enough, right? Like that need for instant gratification. Do you see that a lot too? All the time, all the time. And I, uh... I actually, when I first started my business, I didn't have any sort of contracts. Um, (laughs) I learned the hard way that those are necessary. Um, But one of the things that I implemented because of that is a three-month minimum on all of my contracts because there is no such thing as a set timeline. And I I know that this work is not magic. This work is not um, one way. Right. And I know that it's very unlikely that people are going to see or feel noticeable transformations on this journey in fewer than three months. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're right. Like there's a lot of that. Oh, well I'm doing this. So I should be here or I'm doing these things. So I should have accomplished this by now. Um, and that's just not how it works. Yeah. And I think, so to, to say it again, for anybody listening, right, there is no timeline and everyone's goals are different. Everyone's coming in with something different. So, you know, for you and I, we take a really holistic approach to health, right? People think that it's about changing their bodies, right? And when they focus on that, they miss seeing so much other progress, right? So we're over here, like, Hey, look, you're getting stronger. Hey, look, you're doing this thing that you couldn't do before. Hey, look, you are feeling more in present in your body, right? You're not thinking about it as much. You're not stressed about it as much. Like those are all wins, but people are like, yeah, but I still don't look like this other person or like, yeah, but you know, and because I think people come in with this preconceived notion of how things should go, how they should look. And when we have the conversation, it's like, well, where did this come from? And a lot of times people don't know. And so going back to this holiday should shredding that we're going to talk about today, you know, so much of that is really messaging that we are fed from so young that we don't even have the words to explain where the shoulds are coming from, like which shoulds are our shoulds, which shoulds are society shoulds, and then even our shoulds are coming from other people and it's, it becomes a tongue twister. So there's a lot of messaging this time of year around things that you should be doing, like mm-hmm. how you should be eating around the holidays, how you should be getting your bikini body starting now and right. All this toxic messaging. So that's really what I want to focus on today. I don't know if you want to jump in there about some of the messaging you're seeing right now, that's pissing you off, but 
all of it. Yeah, literally. We're <laughs> all like, it, um, yeah, just, I think the overall theme is that we should be <laughs> making some sort of goal or resolution around weight loss. Mm-hmm. And that is just not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, health and weight loss are not synonymous. That's uh, preach. And so just seeing all of this messaging around, uh, I <laughs> was tagged in something earlier this week that I did not reshare because someone was sharing and it's totally fine. It's their own journey, but, um, she was sharing that when she has all of these holiday parties going on, like she makes sure that she eats vegetables and protein before she goes, she drinks plenty of water. She does a face mask. She gets extra sleep. She does all these things. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that, but sharing that can create pressure and shoulds for people who maybe aren't doing those things. And then all of a sudden they feel like, oh, I should be doing face masks and I should be eating vegetables before I go. And I should be doing all of these things. And it's like, you don't have to, like the holidays are for enjoyment and rest and rejuvenation and celebration and fucking cookies. Like I, (laughs) I think that the holidays are for enjoying a lot of foods that we maybe don't eat the rest of the year. So I don't need someone telling me how I should be taking care of my own body during this time. Yeah. I want to go back to the first thing that you said there. Like you said so many good things, but the first thing you said where we make health and weight loss mean the same thing when they're not. And I went on a whole Instagram story ran about this last night. So also if y'all are not following either of us on Instagram, you're missing out. I'll link in the description later, <laughs> but whole story ran about this because this was, this was a really big topic of conversation in coaching calls yesterday. And what I said was, you know, you can't see health. There's so much more to health than how you look and you can exist in a smaller body and be healthy or not. You can exist in a larger body and be healthy or not. And you can't tell just by looking at me, what my quality of life is like, how my mental health is. If I have nutrient deficiencies, do I have an autoimmune disease? Do I have a neurological condition? Do I have an eating disorder? Like you don't know. And I've, I've been going on big rants about this because for anybody who hasn't heard at this point, like I had this huge health scare, uh, in the winter. Right. And a big part of it was caused by folic acid deficiency anemia, which basically meant that I stopped producing red blood cells. And like the ones I had were expanding. I wasn't getting oxygen to my, my, uh, my muscles or my brain. It was like a whole thing. Right. When I saw people again, everybody was like, Oh my God, you look so healthy. You must've been working out this whole time. All pandemic. Right. And I was like, "Mm, no, I was like super sick and couldn't dress myself. And I lost all the muscle that I had. I went from being able to push a 900 pound sled and being this like elite level ninja warrior athlete to like needing my boyfriend to help me get dressed. Right. It was wild. I say that because I can't tell you how many compliments I got on how healthy I looked. And I'm like, stop saying healthy when you mean smaller and I don't feel healthy. Right. Just like when I broke my back a couple of years ago it was the same thing. I had a six pack when I broke my back, my core was not strong. So we keep having this observation, right? Like we like to talk about that. And and again, it's, it's diet culture and we'll go into that, but you can't see health. And I'm so, so, so passionate about this because 
all of the times that I've been complimented on my body have been either like in an eating disorder or like significant health crisis. And it's so harmful. One, because if you're somebody who's struggling with an eating disorder, guess what? It's going to fuel it. Two, if you're struggling with your health, you're just going to feel like shit. Three, um, for people who don't exist in smaller bodies, it sends the message that you're doing something wrong and you're not right. Like your, your body size and your worth are correlated. I know you have a lot to say about this too. So I'll stop talking and hand it over to you, but (laughs) I just, I'm so passionate about it because I just think it creates so much shame and stigma and like people don't get help for the things that they need. People feel like they shouldn't be existing as the human that they are, you know, and it's, it's just harmful for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would just echo everything that you said. Um, One thing that I do always want to share is that these are beliefs that we have based on our conditioning and what we've been taught. And so there's nothing wrong with you if you're listening, if you truly believe in the depth depths of your soul that smaller bodies are healthier mm-hmm. it makes sense that you would think that because that's what we've been taught yep however if you're listening to this now you know better and you can do better so I love the fact first of all that you did mention that that if you feel this way right that is your conditioning that's not your fault and I know for a lot of my clients they really struggle with this idea of being able to accept their bodies and accept the fact that even if they develop every single health promoting behavior on the planet, their bodies might not change, right? Because your body's really smart and your body knows where it feels its best. Mm -hmm. And often where it feels its best does not correlate with where you think it looks its best because where you think it looks its best is based on messaging that you've gotten from society. And here's the fun part, because I coach people from like age 20 up to age 70 where you think your body looks best is going to be different based on the year that you were born because societal standards of what's in, in terms of body type changes constantly. It changes like every decade, if not more, it's kind of like, think of it like eyebrows. Remember when thin eyebrows were in? Oh my God. In in junior (laughs) high, I had like, no, they were these, oh my gosh, it was awful. I like overplucked them. They're, they're, they were dead. I killed them forever. And to your point, I now get them microbladed because I ruined them. And now I want eyebrows. <laughs> you, you and everyone else, except for me, because I like was not allowed to mess with my eyebrows at that point in my life. Right. But it's funny though, because I had really thick eyebrows and I was made fun of for it. And I remember being like, oh man, I need these thin eyebrows because something's wrong with me if they're not. And then now everyone's like, oh my God, what do you do to your eyebrows? How do you fill them in? I'm like, I, I just never pluck them off. I didn't first. pluck them out when I was younger. <laughs> right. And, but I, so I bring this up because I think when we talk about body size, right, we make it about health. It's all about health. You got to be smaller. So you're healthier. Like y'all can't see the amount of air quotes that are happening in my brain right now, but small, right. <laughs> smaller doesn't equal healthier. So we'll say, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm just trying to help. I'm just worried about your health. Okay. But explain to me how needing to shave my legs is fearing is, is worrying about my health. How me needing to have thin eyebrows is something about my health, right? Like all these things, all these shoulds that we're told that we should do, they're not health promoting behaviors. They're just societal shoulds that industries make money off of. And so I say this because thin eyebrows were in, thick eyebrows are in now. I'm sure we're going to come back around to thin eyebrows in like three years, but everybody did it. And 
now, like you said, you have to microblade your eyebrows on. And it's kind of like that word, these diet trends come in and out. People follow them first. It's like Atkins and then it's, I don't know, keto and oh, it's Atkins recycled, which is right. keto. it's the same thing. It's the same present in shiny new wrapping paper, except the present sucks and you really don't want it. Don't open it. But, <laughs> right. But it's, but it's the same thing over and, and over again. Not actually health promoting. Right. Exactly. It's not actually health promoting. And so it's the same way that we all freaked out about our eyebrows and we're like, I need to change them. Something's wrong with me. That's what diet culture does with you and your body. It makes you believe that your body is a problem and it's broken and you need to fix it so that it can sell you a bajillion solutions that are designed not to work and then gaslight you and make you think that it was your fault in the first place so that you messed up and that this next time it'll be different. Y'all, it is like the most toxic relationship that we have ever been in. I've been in a couple. So, you know, <laughs> just, just saying it is, it is the most toxic relationship, but we don't see it because when we're like super young, we grow up watching maybe like our moms or aunts or grandparents dieting, stuff like that. You know, we see these things in magazines where we are taught like, oh, you should look like that. We see these things, you know, we grew up watching friends where like Phoebe and Rachel, you turn them sideways and they disappear. And it's like, we need to be like these people because we look up to them. So I'm just saying, you know, your body and what you think is acceptable and how you feel about it, it's going to go in and out like your eyebrows and some point they're not going to grow back. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. I was thinking as you were talking about, um, I've seen posts like this circulate social media, but, um, the examples that people use of magazine covers mm -hmm. and how it's really just, I feel like, well, I don't feel like it is fact that diet culture is just a part of the patriarchy. And you'll see the, these magazine covers that are like, women's like some targeted at women mm -hmm. uh, those of us socialize as women and it'll say like self-love blah, blah 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 on page whatever cake recipe on page whatever diet on page whatever and it's like in the same yep in the same magazine you're trying to tell us to love ourselves but to lose weight but also to eat cake like none of this makes any sense at all yeah no 100 percent. and then we feel not only like something's wrong with our bodies but something's wrong with us that we feel the way that we do because i can't tell you how many conversations i have where it's like well okay let's say that i'm over trying to change my body what's wrong with me that I still don't love my body or you achieve the body that society's telling you that you should have and you get it. And then you're like, I still don't like it. What's wrong with me. And it's because we've been so conditioned to constantly look for that next quick fix and want to change it. And we're taught that happiness and confidence and all these arbitrary feelings will come along with achieving something other than who and what we already are. And along the same lines, I feel like we, if we do actually feel comfortable and confident in our body, we talk ourselves out of it because mm -hmm. that is so rare. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, <laughs> I'll use dating as an example, when like you actually meet someone who's like not toxic and they're actually respectful and you can trust them, you like make up all these stories in your head about like, oh my God, this can't be real. Like there's something wrong. Something's going to go wrong. And it's almost like you gaslight yourself 
because it's, it feels so rare. I feel like we do that in our bodies too, where it's like, we maybe get to that point where we're like, oh my gosh, like I do feel really good. And I do appreciate what my body is doing for me, but I'm not supposed to feel that way because society tells me I'm supposed to be miserable in my body and I'm supposed to want to change it. So like now what do I do to change it? Yeah. And it's become so socialized. Like I think about it kind of the way where, you know, when we got on this call and it's like, Hey, how's it going? Good, good. You good, good, great. Right. And like, we do that and we don't even like think about the fact that we're doing that. Right. It's just become this, this very socialized response. And I was listening to, I think it's Steph Godro's, um, listen to your body podcast, like maybe a year ago, but she had a really good episode and they're talking about how, when you start to break free from diet culture and when you're like, Hey, this is a 70 plus billion dollar industry. And I'm really tired of letting this industry make me feel like shit and make 70 plus billion dollars a year off of it. When you start to break out of that, it feels really isolating because then you go to holiday things and everybody's talking about how they need to lose weight and the next diet that they're going on. And you're like, uh, right. Or like at work, people are doing these, I don't know, turkey trots to burn and earn, right. You don't have to earn your food, but right. It's so socialized. Yeah. It's so socialized that like we start to feel like we need to talk down on ourselves and talk about what part of our bodies we hate and what we're going to change next, literally just because everybody else is. And that's, that's how we fit in. And I can't even tell you how many times I've been in friend groups where they're doing that. And they're talking about all these things they hate and they need to change. And I'm kind of like, I'm good. But like, what do I say? Because I don't want to be that asshole. That's like, I love myself. Right. I I am too, but like, (laughs) (laughs) right. But I think back to when I wasn't as secure in myself and I wasn't shredding these shoulds. And I was very much like, I need to fit in with what other people are doing. And, you know, I, now like I don't wear makeup. That's like a, that's a me decision, but uh, my partner and I were actually talking about it today because this was 10 plus years ago. He's like, I forgot how much you did things just so people would like you. And so you would fit in. And it was everything from like how I dressed to the makeup that I wore to like, you know, just, just everything that I did because I really struggled with friendships as a kid. So then when I got older, I was like, you know, okay. I was always this like weird kid that was made fun of. So let me do what everybody else is doing. So I fit in, I'm going to talk like them and act like them. I'm going to have people like me. And it's kind of the same thing as changing your body where I put on all the makeup. I put on the the Ugg boots and the North face and wore the big hoop earrings and it did not change. It did not change how people felt about me. It did not change how I felt about myself. Cause y'all, I was saying still the same person mm-hmm. underneath all that. And also speaking of saying y'all, I found another person that says y'all, cause we're both in Texas. <laughs> but like at that time I'm growing up in Connecticut and I said, y'all, and people are like, where are you from? And I'm like, so funny. same, same town as you, <laughs> but I'm going to embrace it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so interesting. The things the the motivation behind our actions. Um, and I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about just like holiday stuff yeah. and, and the talk that comes up and I see it a lot with the new year. Um, and as I mentioned before, like feeling the need to like make these resolutions around mm-hmm. weight loss yeah. Um, and I don't, there's nothing wrong with making health goals. Like mm-hmm. I, for years had health goals every year 
I don't know that I have any going into this new year, but maybe I haven't really sat down to do my goal setting yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's so, it's crucial to really think about the why behind what resolutions you're setting. I know that a lot of people make this, this resolution for weight loss year after year after year because they feel like they should. Mm-hmm. And there's no other reason for it. Mm-hmm. And I will often ask people like, oh, um, especially my clients. I'm like, yeah, why is that one of your goals? And they're like, well, because I want to get healthy. And I'm like, okay, well, let's separate those two. As we were talking about before, you know, it's like, what are some health promoting behaviors that you can start to really create going into the new year? It has nothing to do with losing weight literally nothing. If you lose weight, when you implement those behaviors, cool. If not cool. I think, um, I don't know that we've talked about this specifically, but I tell my clients, like my goal is not to change your body. Mm-hmm. My goal is to help you develop the behaviors that you need to get your body to a place where it feels the best. Mm-hmm. For some of you, that means losing weight. For some of you, that means your weight doesn't change. And for some of you, that means gaining weight. And I had, you know, one, one client who's been working with me for like two and a half years, almost, she came to me saying like, I want to lose, or I want to weigh 125 pounds. I was like, okay, why? Like she had this very specific goal and she, and it was all about, and I'm sure you hear this often, like, well, when I was 125 pounds before blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, so what you really want is the feeling that you had at that point in your life that may or may not have anything to do with your weight. And through the work that we did together, she actually ended up gaining 25 pounds and smashing her scale. Um, she feels amazing. Obviously she's still working with me. So like (laughs) she did not ask for her money back when she gained 25 pounds because she realized that it just wasn't about that. She just wanted to feel good and she wanted to feel strong and she wanted to feel confident. And those things were not a part of that. Like that wasn't going to be in the cards for her. if She lost weight. She needed to, the only way she needed to lose was those shoulds and those expectations Mm -hmm. and those feelings of like, I have to shrink in order to be healthy. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's a good time to remind everybody listening that you don't need to shrink yourself for anyone. I think as women, we're constantly given this messaging of taking up less space, right? Taking up less space, being smaller. You're not meant to be the same size at 20 as you were at 15 or at 25 as you were at 20. Like we grow and these natural body processes, you know, we say, oh, like your flaws are beautiful. Love your flaws. But like who decided that your natural body processes are flaws? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like somebody please write in and tell us, I'm really curious if somebody can give me that answer. Yeah. Like who decided that cellulite, which is something that like 95% of women have, who decided that that was a flaw? Like if 95% of women have it, who, what, why is that a flaw? It sounds like yep. you're flawed if you don't have it. Not really. You're not flawed mm-hmm. if you don't have cellulite. But I mean, if you look at the percentages here, like that would make more sense. But that's just not, yeah, that's yeah. such a great, such a great point. Yeah. And so while we're talking about statistics, you know, I think the statistics are like 79% of 
young girls and 85% of adult women talk or say that they go on diets because they don't like their bodies. Mm -hmm. And so if you are somebody who's listening to this and you are similar to a lot of my clients where you're like, you know, I keep trying and my body's not doing what I want it to do. What's wrong with me or what's wrong with me that I feel like this. You're in the majority. You're in the majority of people that have been taught since they were super, super young. I think it's like 10% of five-year-old girls go, go on diets. Five-year-olds? Five-year-olds. And then it's like 14% of 10-year-old girls. So just think about where you were at when you were five. Like, I don't know how many sentences I was even able to make at that point in my life. It- but imagine that. And right. And so this is not your fault. This is something that we're being taught from so, so young. And then it becomes so ingrained in us. And, you know, if you grow up listening to people talking about dieting at holiday parties or about how they shouldn't eat these foods because these foods are bad, then it makes a lot of sense that you grow up fearing certain foods, fearing your body changing, maybe even knowing that, that gaining that 25 pounds will make you feel better and healthier and stronger, but still being afraid of it because you've been taught your whole life that that's bad because maybe you watched, you know, your mom or somebody in your life constantly trying to shrink. And it's hard if, especially if that's somebody that you admire and look up to, and you want to copy their behaviors and you don't even like realize that you're doing it. Right. So if you're listening to this and, and this is resonating with you, like she said before, it's not your fault, right? Like it's not your fault that you feel this way, that our society has conditioned you this way, but you're also not stuck. You can choose to start to take actions that will change your thoughts and your feelings and your behaviors and really focus on your health, regardless of how you look, regardless of what size you are. I remember, so I was very, very lucky I didn't know that I was lucky at the time, but now that I do the work that I do, I realized that I was very lucky to grow up in a home where there was no shame around our bodies. My parents didn't diet. They, we always ate like pretty balanced. We had like protein, veggie, carb, fat, usually on a plate. And then we had dessert after dinner, like almost every night. And that was just Mm -hmm. kind of normal for us. Um, we would go out to eat periodically and whatever, but, um, and I shared earlier that I was always really active, but I remember when I first started doing CrossFit, Mm -hmm. um, I did my first competition and my mom and stepdad came. And I remember my mom saying something along the lines of, you know, if I had seen a lot of these people walking around just on the street, I would never have thought that they were this athletic or this Mm -hmm. fit or whatever, because even when we are in these um, environments where it's, you know, more or less healthy and there's no shame or whatever, like we are still conditioned to think Mm -hmm. that certain body, like that fit has a look or strong has a look or healthy has a look. And that was, I think, really a profound experience for her to see like, oh my gosh, these like tall lanky bodies are really strong. And these short, heavier bodies are really fast and like things that we don't expect until we see it. Mm. Um, and you know, part of what we can do a super easy step that we can take is if we're on social media to really be cognizant of the accounts that we're following really like I've made a very conscious effort to 
follow people in sports who don't necessarily look like we would think they look right. I follow athletes who live in larger bodies. I follow, um, I don't follow anyone who talks about diet culture bullshit because I just like, I I'm, it's not triggering for me. It just makes me angry. And so like, I know that I will turn into like a (laughs) Facebook warrior if I follow So I just don't, or like if they're friends of mine, I just mute them. Um, But there are so many people who will help you prove to yourself that what we've taught is not accurate. What we've been taught is not accurate. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's so crucial. And something I have my clients do too, is refeed their feeds. You are one of the, one of the accounts that gets to go into (laughs) our group chat, but it's so true. Like, you know, I used to be part of the hardcore fitness culture, like doing competitive obstacle course racing. I've played around in CrossFit. I've played around powerlifting. Now I'm in, you know, Ninja Warrior world. And I think that, when we look at Instagram and the people that we follow, we don't realize, even if we think it's not affecting us, we don't realize how much we are actually having subconscious reactions to the things that we're seeing. So if you see somebody who's like super hardcore and they're in the gym all the time, you don't realize how you might be having these subconscious thoughts of like, man, I'm doing it wrong. I should be working out seven days a week, which y'all you need, you need rest days. What? Please don't. I said, please don't work out seven days a week. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we don't, we don't realize what we're actually consuming and how that's affecting us, or even just seeing people in different clothes or modeling their bodies in certain ways, right. Saying no filter when there's clearly a filter. My favorite is I, I follow somebody who We'll use a filter and then save it and then re-upload it. So it doesn't tell you that they're using a filter. You know how Instagram tells you? I I caught on to that one. I was like, oh, right. But so we really don't know. It's Instagram's really just what people want you to see, no matter how much they say they're authentic and real. It's still very curated at the end of the day. So I agree. I think really being intentional with what you are consuming, whether that's print media, TV, Instagram, and people in your lives, right? So let's go back to the holiday thing for a second. You know how you can mute people on Instagram. You can mute people on real life too. It's called setting boundaries. And I'm a big fan of it. And I would love to talk about that with you because I think, I mean, let's, let's play a game, ready? We're going to rattle off things that we hear this time of year that are really toxic. So for example, um, summer body starts now. Um, I can't eat that. It's bad. Can't fall off track during the holidays. I'm not going to eat all day so that I can eat a lot at dinner. Gotta lose the holiday 15, quarantine 15, <laughs> freshman 15, <laughs> right? Whatever 15. <laughs> it's always 15 pounds y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other ones? Diet starts Monday. Mm. New year, new me. Mm. Uh, ooh, this is one that mm, is from someone else, but that would be the like food pushers. Like, oh, you have to eat this. I brought it for you. Ooh. Yeah, and I'm going to flip that. Are you really going to eat all of that? Mm-hmm. Both of those. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. Right. We could probably make a whole other episode where we just rattle off toxic things <laughs> here this time of year. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and the reason I brought up the new year, you knew me part is because like, if you're making goals around New Year's, like that's fine. I'm not saying don't do that. What I am saying is that there's this expectation that we can just like blink, go to sleep, close our eyes and wake up the next day and just become a totally new human with new habits. And it's so much more complicated than that. Like we both coach behavior change for a reason. And so this time of year can be really toxic because there are a lot of people commenting either on what you're doing, what you're eating, how you look, what they're doing, what they're eating, how they look, the new goals that they're setting, how they're going to just wake up and be a new person, or that they need to be more disciplined, have more willpower when it comes to food or their bodies. And we know that's harmful. You want to tell people why that's harmful? It's just, we can't make changes that quickly. We have to well, again, like we have to have a reason for changing our behaviors. And I just so often see people trying to do, and I just had a conversation with a client similar that was like, she didn't feel like she was doing enough to make a change. Right. But it's like, we, we can't, as you were saying, like we wake up on January 1st and it's like, okay, I'm going to go to CrossFit eight days a week. I'm going to sleep 12 hours a night. I'm going to drink two gallons of water every day. I'm going to eat 17 servings of vegetables. I'm never going to eat cookies. And like, we try to do these things that are literally impossible and we try to do them all at once. And like, you are setting yourself up for failure. I, (laughs) you'll think this is funny. So do you know what Harrow is? Help a reporter out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I get Harrow emails and some of the articles that they're looking for, like I, I've gotten better at just deleting and moving on, but some of the headlines that they're looking for, like, um, what was one like best food, best snacks for weight loss in 2022. And I will literally send an email and I will say, Hey, there's actually no such thing as snacks or foods that are good for weight loss. The only way that we lose weight is by creating a calorie deficit. And that's a little bit more complex than you can put in an article and da, 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 da. And I like, will go on and on and on about why, how like this article should not even be a thing, but mm-hmm. this is just another example of like, what is being pushed down our throats? Because these are all articles that are getting published places and someone is going to respond to that and list foods that they're going to tell people are good for weight loss. And it's just not true I went off on a tangent hardcore but yeah like that's the kind of stuff that we see around the new year that's just so like if you really zoom out and think about it it's stupid like it doesn't make any sense it's funny you said that because I had the opportunity to pitch for like a a tv segment around the holidays it was it was like a practice pitch but the pitch that I gave was about how we don't put foods on the naughty or nice list around the holidays. And that's its own, own episode. But I heard so many other pitches that were better received about, you know, well, if you, um, here's how not to stress about food this holiday season, just don't go to any of your holiday parties. Oh, okay. That's realistic. And right. Right. And so, you know, I think it's just gotten to this point where we have to look at what is our quality of life. Are you constantly stressed out about food? Are you afraid about foods? Are you afraid of 
letting people see you? Are you struggling with how you feel in your body? Because that can happen at any body size, depending on how much you're consuming these messages. You know, I mentioned my, my athletic journey. Like I had to follow a lot of people, unfollow a lot of people that I'm still friends with and do sports with because I'm not into that hardcore life anymore. And even I can be susceptible to those shoulds of like, Oh, you should be doing more when I'm trying to take a rest day. Right. So part of it is knowing yourself and how those messages affect you. And with the holidays, if you have people who make comments about food or about your body or about new year, right. You know, that these things aren't realistic. You know, that like she said, habits take longer than that. You know, that your body is not a problem and something that needs to be fixed. And that if you have the benefit of being around people for the holidays, if you are actually able to do that, my personal opinion is that those people deserve your attention more than the food on your plate and that you deserve their attention. They deserve, yeah, you deserve their attention more than the food on their plates. Right. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's going to stop them from talking about food. So it's really helpful to create boundaries with people in your life. You know, you can say things like, Hey, I'm not comfortable talking about my body. You can change the subject. You can get up, you can walk away. If somebody starts talking about food or diets, you can say like, I'm not doing that. I don't see food as good or bad. Right. I don't know if you have a couple others that you, you use. Yeah. Those are all really good. Um, you could, depending on how sassy you want to be, I always <laughs> it with that. Like you, anything you could start with something super like not aggressive. Like I'm not available for this conversation. You can also mm-hmm. tend toward more aggressive. Like my food is my business. Your food is your business. Um, one for that I hear for kids a lot is, and I don't, I mean, this is like pretty specific, but like, don't yuck someone else's yum. Like don't mm. talk about what other people are eating. Your food is your business. I think I already said that. Um, and depending on like how close you are to people and how vulnerable you want to be, I think it can be really powerful to say something like, Hey, I'm really working on my relationship with food and my body. And this conversation is not helpful for me in the work that I'm doing. Um, you can also, one that I shared with a client, um, she was feeling not very empowered by a lot of these options when other people, Mm -hmm. the situation is that other people were commenting on their own bodies. And so instead of walking away or changing the subject, what felt really empowering for her was to take the focus off of what this person's body looked like and taught, like bring up something cool that it's done. Right. Like, Um, didn't you, didn't your body run a 5k for you recently? Didn't your body recover from COVID? Like, didn't your body do X, Y, and Z? And like, that felt really good for her in this specific relationship. So that's another one too, is like, yeah, like, didn't your, didn't you, your body give birth to two beautiful babies or like, whatever it is, obviously like these are pretty specific, but, um, that can be a good one too. And just changing the focus entirely from what our body looks like. Yes. I love that. I actually just published an article on body gratitude and how important that is for changing our perceptions of our bodies link in bio on Instagram. And I'll drop it here too. Um, I can say link in description now, but I think that that's really, really important because our bodies do so much for us and we are so busy hating them that we probably never say thank you you know, I have a client who is actually recovering from COVID right now. And she was really upset that her body changed while she was really sick with COVID. And I 
basically said, do you even realize how much work your body just had to do to keep you alive, to keep you healthy, to get you through this, how your body looks was the least important thing right now in this case. And also how your body looks is the least important thing about you in general. Your body is literally just the vehicle that allows you to do all the things that you love in your life. I am going to insert this because I don't know if you and I have talked about this before, but it's like my new favorite analogy for what you just said. And I did not make it up. I saw it from someone else. Maybe it was you. You will tell me if it was. Um, And that is the phone and phone case analogy. Why are you so concerned about your phone case and not your phone? And I really like that analogy for our body and us. Your phone case is not what allows you to communicate with people. Your phone case is not what takes beautiful photos. Your phone case is not doing anything, right? It's literally just holding your phone. That was not me, but I love that so much. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, no, literally that's the perfect analogy. Perfect analogy. Wow. I'm going to sit with that. That is really good. So along those lines, you know, going back to all of these things that you're hearing in your life right now, all these pressures that you're feeling, I always like to ask where those pressures are coming from and who's profiting off of it. Honestly, that's the question to ask. So if you're more worried about your phone case than your phone, who's selling you this idea that your phone case is the most important part about your phone? Because I guarantee you, you didn't make that up. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I, I think, uh, you know, not that everyone is in a place to like dig deep and do this right. work, but along the same lines, you know, as you are navigating these conversations, as you are finding things that feel triggering, as you're setting goals for the new year, I think it's really important to just ask those deeper questions. Like why, just ask why, right? Like, why do I feel like I need to set this goal? What am I hoping to accomplish? One of the things I'm hosting a goal setting workshop in a couple of weeks and spoiler alert for anyone who happens to listen to this and is going to be on the goal setting workshop. I'm going to ask everyone to start with the question, how do you want to feel at the end of 2022? Mm-hmm. How do you want to feel? Not physically, So that can like be a part of it, but I really like, do you, I've been asking all of my clients this too, as we go into the new year and I've gotten answers, like, I want to feel fulfilled. I want to feel confident and starting there and deciding, okay, what do I, what behaviors do I need to, um, start implementing? Mm -hmm. What steps do I need to take in order to be confident, in order to be fulfilled? Spoiler alert, you're not going to automatically be more confident when your body is smaller. That's not where confidence comes from. So if you're looking to be confident, separate that from your body size, right? Dig deeper. What are you actually looking for? Yeah. It's like, what does confidence mean to you? And how will you know when you've got that? And if somebody is more confident, what does somebody who's more confident do? How do they show up in the world? Like, who does that person 
was going to say look like, but it's not an exterior look, right? I mean, like, what, what does that look like to show up as somebody who's more confident? What actions do you take? How do you think? How do you show up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure we can all think about people who don't fit society's definition of what we should look like, who are so confident. Yeah. For yeah. sure. A hundred percent. I like that a lot. So one of the other issues I have with this time of year, so we've gone through a lot of them, right? But you're talking about how habit change doesn't work like that, right? And we have all these pressures and all these shoulds and it makes people feel like shit. I want to go back to something you said at the very, very beginning, which is that the holidays are for cookies, right? (laughs) Which is not my issue. I'm, I'm all about the holiday cookies. I think that's great. But what I do want to talk about is the amount of fear that happens this time of year and how that fear leads to restriction in other areas of your life. And you're talking about, you know, like maybe not eating beforehand or loading up on other things so that you don't eat during the holiday party or, or whatever it is. So since I like analogies, I use this analogy of weather and climate. And I know you like that analogy too. I love this analogy. Yeah. So what you do throughout the year, the food that you normally buy, the food that you normally eat, the way that you normally live, that is your climate, right? So if I were to think of the climate of, I still don't know Texas that well, so let's go with San Diego. Well, Texas is weird. wild anyway. We don't want to use Texas as an example. I, I like almost wanted to because, so, okay, coming from Connecticut, my, my idea of the climate of Texas is that it's like warm and let's say it's like warm and sunny the majority of the year, right? Before we moved here, we were like, okay, there's 300 and I don't know how many days of sun per year in this area. So, right. That was my perception of the climate. And then right before we decided to move here, there was like that freeze, that week long freeze. Right. And yeah. And, and everyone up North was like, are you still going to move to Texas? Because look, it's freezing there. Aren't you trying to get away from the cold? And my, my response was, well, that was a freak weather thing. Like that is the weather that happened for this one moment in time, but that's not what the climate in Texas is normally. You cannot tell me that the climate of Texas is the same as very cold and sad Connecticut. Like you just can't, we're not having that conversation. Right. So when you think about food, what you're doing for the holidays, that is your weather. It's not a track that you're on or falling off of. If your definition of what foods are quote unquote good, right? Foods are not good or bad, but if your definition of what foods are acceptable is that narrow, your track is that narrow, that it's that easy to fall off by enjoying your holiday, that's not a sustainable track. That's not a track that you want to be on. So I like the reframe of thinking about the things that you do normally, your behaviors, your habits that you have normally, that's your climate. And you know what? It's okay to enjoy the weather that happens on holidays and then just return to your normal climate you didn't mess up. You don't need to start over. Right. What do you think? Yeah, I love it. Um, there's no such thing as messing up. That's something that I've heard on consultation calls, right? It's like, Oh, I'm so good during the week. And then I mess up on the weekends. I'm like, Mm. what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Um, there's no such thing as messing up. There's no such thing as good and bad. And I even am, (laughs) kind of at my wits end with people saying healthy and unhealthy because mm-hmm. they're using it in the exact same way that people say good and bad foods. Um, healthy is not the same for everyone. Unhealthy is not the same for everyone. And there's so much nuance to that. Right. And like, as long as we have this idea that there's a right or a wrong, a black or a white, when it comes to our health, 
we're probably not in a healthy place yet. And mm -hmm. I say that intentionally using the word healthy because a lot of times the stress that is caused by avoiding certain foods is worse for our health than the actual foods that we fear. Yeah, hundred percent. You want to talk more about that? I could talk about stress all day. I have a <laughs> presentation that I do on stress, but um, oh. chronic stress is horrible for our health. Um, it can lead to all sorts of health complications, cancer, death, like literally stress can kill us. And so this is one of the big issues that I take with people who talk about obesity being bad for our health, yet they're promoting diets that are incredibly stressful on our bodies and are therefore not healthy. Um, it is <laughs> a really sick irony that I see. Um, but yeah, stress is not healthy and eating cookies is not going to kill us the same way that chronic stress is going to. And so if we are struggling with food fear, it is more important to heal our relationship with food than it is to worry about how many servings of vegetables you're getting, how many cookies you're eating. Like that doesn't matter as much as healing our relationship with food. Um, and that's something else that I make really clear to my clients is like, I'm not anti uh, body composition change. Mm -hmm. However, that is not going to fly until we've healed our relationship with food in our body, because we cannot do any sort of strict eating or anything restrictive if we have food fears or if we have disordered eating habits and we can't change our body from a place of hate, we have to change it from a place of love. And what's really interesting is a lot of times people don't even get to the body composition changes that they thought they wanted because they realize that it's so much more freeing to heal that relationship with food in their body, that they don't even care about the body composition changes anymore. Yes, all of that. I couldn't have said that better. 100%. You have to look at what your quality of life is. You know, I'm working with one client who, when we started working together, she had so much fear around food and around her body that it was impacting her relationship with her kids, right? Like she just wanted to be able to enjoy ice cream with her kids on a hot summer night. She wanted to be able to be the cool mom and like run around on the beach with them instead of sitting on the towel, being afraid of other people seeing her body, right? Or I think about back when I had the six pack that everybody thought they wanted, I was tracking my food so hardcore that I, I remember going on like my first date with the guy that I'm now with. And I wasn't paying attention to him. I was paying attention to putting my macros in my fitness pal. Like how sad he still remembers that it's been over 10 years and I feel bad. Right. Or when I, same thing, when I was in grad school and I was trying to make friends and we went out to Chipotle and it was the same thing. And I was tracking. So it doesn't matter how my body looks, what's my quality of life? How much stress is doing this causing? How are my relationships? Relationship quality is a really big predictor of health, not just romantic relationships, yep. but your, your perceived right quality of relationships in your life. That's a huge predictor of health. So it's really important to look at how this fear of food or your body changing is actually taking away from your life. And 
you know, I've, I've done the bodybuilder thing too. I've done the, the, the powerlifter thing. I've done all the things where I had the body everybody else wanted and I wasn't happy. That's the spoiler alert. And mm-hmm. my experience matches the experience of probably 95% of people that I've talked to or that I've seen post finally open up about this online because we assume that when we have the thing, we have the body, we do the thing, we have the house, the job, whatever, then we will be happy. But it's really about getting to the root of, like you said, what are you actually looking for? And why do you think that changing your body is going to get that for you? And, and a lot of that comes back to, to diet culture, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah for sure. Another question that I like to ask people along those same lines is, where could you put all of that energy that yep. you're currently expending thinking about food in your body? Yep. Where, who, or what, or where could you put that energy? Yeah, I agree. I asked the same question and I had a client earlier ask about, we're working on them being able to listen to their body more, right. And to, to be more intuitive. And she was like, well, what if I don't trust my body yet? And I said, it's going to be really hard to build that trust, but that trust is a two-way streak. It's not bad and just about you trusting your body. Your body's got to trust you too, because if you are somebody who has to constantly try to keep up with the latest trend, right? You feel like you should be doing all of these diets over time, your body loses that trust with you too, that you're not going to do that again. And you're not going to put this chronic amount of stress on it. And again, like we said before, your body knows where it wants to be and it's going to fight really hard to be there no matter how much you try to outsmart it. Yeah. We don't get to decide how many calories our bodies need. We don't get to decide that. (laughs) Yes. Boom. There you have it, folks. That is it. We (laughs) don't get to decide. We like to control, but we don't get to decide. Mm -hmm. So body's job is to keep us alive and safe and that's it. It's not here to look at. It's just a phone case. It's just a phone case. That is, we're going to leave it with that for today. So I think that is a perfect place to, to end it, but I'm going to say, let's each leave them with one should that they can shred for this holiday season. So I would say for me, big should shredding moment would be when you hear all of this talk about starting over and dieting and restricting around the holidays and not falling off track. I would say the should to shred here, which I'm not going to tell you what you should do, but I'm also going to kind of tell you what you should do. The should should to shred here is remembering that it is your body and nobody gets to decide what's best for your body, not even you, except your body. And if you're having trouble listening to your body and building trust with your body, reach out, slide into our DMs. We can help you. We do this because we care about people, but building that trust takes time, but the more you try to force your body to be what it's not, the further away you're going to go from building that trust. So yeah, snaps. That's that's mine for today. Um, mine is short and sweet. I want you to shed the should of having to set a weight loss goal for 2022. Ooh, yes. Have to snaps. You don't have to No. Now, one health promoting behavior goal that I'm going to have, not for 2022, because I don't do New Year's resolutions, but that's going to be next episode. I want to take my contacts out more regularly. That is a health promoting goal that I have. It has nothing to do with changing my body, but we are going to do it because eye health is important. This is not an ad. I'm just saying it's something I'm working on. This is not an ad. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. So there's, there's so many ways to improve your health that have nothing to do with weight loss. I love that. hundred percent. That awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on here today and helping people shred all of these shoulds. I'm going to link all of your info in the podcast description so people can find you on Instagram and hopefully go to your free workshop. Cause I know it's going to be super, super helpful. Yay. Well, thank you so much for having me. I could talk to you all day. We already know this. Now everyone else knows it too. (laughs) (laughs) So as always, it was so good chatting. Yes, absolutely. All right. Go shred those shoulds y'all. And we'll see you next time. Mm